Hello and welcome back to Tank 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, I shall be doing another in-depth interview special with an independent filmmaker and looking at a recent piece of work that they've been working on, a new short film that is coming to you very soon, hopefully, and we're going to talk to its writer, director and editor very shortly, and I'll get on to him in just a moment. But whilst we're here, guys, remember to keep following us on our social media channels at Take97Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We post all our regular updates on those. And if you have any suggestions for the future, please let us know. But let's get started with the episode. Today, I'm going to be looking at a short film called Riverboat and discussing it with its director, writer and editor, like I just said. And I'm very glad to have him on the podcast. I'm so pleased to get him on here. And I'd just like to welcome Jack Burney to the podcast. Welcome to Take 97, Jack. How are you doing? Hi, hi David. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's really cool to be here. It's, uh, it's really, it's, it's brilliant. I think it's, yeah, it, it's cool. I... <laughs> <laughs> you are so chill. I am loving the vibe right now. I, I think we're going to have some fun today. It's going to be great. Just sit back, relax, and uh, we're just going to have a little chit-chat, really, about your new short film, Riverboat. But before we get started on the main topic of discussion, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jack, who you are for people who don't know you and don't follow you on social media. Tell us a little bit about where you got started, where you found your passion for filmmaking. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, you summed it up really brilliantly. The writer, director, editor, you know, that's, it's, it's what I kind of bill myself as. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's, it's sort of my tagline. And it all, that, I guess that sort of stems from, there's that quote, isn't there? You know, a film is written three times, once in the script, once in production, and then once in the editing room. And when I sort of came across that quote, I was, it just, everything fell into place. And it, it all like, you know, I, I love, I love writing and, you know, I, I really enjoy directing and making films. And then, editing that that's my living really you know that's my meat and potatoes I'm a freelance editor by day and I've edited I don't know how many it is 22 short films or something like that so it's not the process I enjoy the most but it's it's really good how I got into it I came at film very much not not necessarily by accident but I used to be heavily involved with the scouting movement and I went I kept doing like the photography stuff and the videography stuff and that just sort of morphed into when I went into college, it was like, oh, you can study media and you can study film. And I was like, okay, brilliant. Um, I went and did that. And then we got the chance, the opportunity to make a few short little bits. And I was like, this is just really cool. And I, I, I come from very much a literary background, I guess. Like my, I'm very much a family of books and stuff. So I always had this storytelling thing and I, I just really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, uni happened, made a load of short films, met loads of great people. And uh, yeah, I graduated last year which is pretty met 2020 yeah what, so, a year, what a year to graduate that's all i'll say i, I have um, a bottle of champagne that was gifted to me by my family that i i will i agree to open on my graduation day and where well, it's unopened so far so um it may remain unopened forever but that's sort of what i say <laughs> oh well well i look forward to when you do pop the cork i i'm sure it'll be well worth it when you get to it L- like you just say you've just sort of summed up perfectly why I love film, why people that I know love film and why we like making it, talking about it. And we're going to talk a little bit about your latest film, like you say. So you've worked on like, I mean, I knew you worked on quite a lot, but to be fair, I looked through the list of your films that you'd worked on, the stuff that you've produced and collaborated with and worked with so many great people. And, you know, it's amazing when you look at it all listed, how 
much work you've done um, that must be sort of a really interesting thing to think that you've done so much work in what seems like a short space of time I suppose what what would you say do you think it's sort of flown by yeah uh, yeah absolutely it's it's a weird one because I never like thought about it at the time I just sort of because as I was sort of at uni growing that like circle that little that network I just started saying yes to everything people tell could you edit this and could it happen you know could you do some color grading for me or could you just come in and help me like tighten the edit up here and it's just like yep absolutely and then at the end of the the uni year you, you end up with however many credits and the uni that I went to Staff Staffordshire University we did like a screening at the end of each semester um, where they displayed like a selection of the films and that was like the moment it hit me I was like oh my god I've worked on like I'm like the editor or I've worked somehow on a lot of these films and that was a weird feeling but I was always like, I, I just want to do, do as much as I can because it's just, it's, it's, it's the variety of projects and then you're expanding your network and that's that's all what it is. And um, so, yeah, I just, I just said yes to everything and then that's still how it happened. But I know what you mean when you look at it all on a list and you think, oh my goodness. It's quite, it's quite a lot of things to work on. But at the end of the day, it's given you the Vital experience, which I'm now going to segue nicely into Riverboat. And I'm sure all of those little micro experiences from your early days, from the learning stage and the networking stage has brought you to this moment. I do feel like from because you very generously let me watch uh, Riverboat to review it and see what I thought about it so we could sit down and talk about it. And I just have to say my initial impressions, really, I wrote the review for you, which you've read. And, you know, I've been very complimentary to you, but it's all very genuine what I said, because I do feel like it's, you know, it's a nice slice of something that could be something much bigger, if that makes sense. It feels like if you expanded it, it wouldn't feel unnecessary then, shall we say. So tell us in your own words what Riverboat is about, what the narrative follows, and just your general process of coming up with the idea, really. Yeah, so... I mean, I, I'll start, start, I guess, at the, at the beginning of the of the process. I was, um, me and a, a few other friends were going to make a short film around Christmas time or very early in the new, in 2021. But unfortunately, we, we haven't quite gotten things to production level yet. So we decided to put the project on hold. And so it's like, okay. And at that time, I was driving up for Christmas back up home and uh, or to my parents' house. And on that drive, I just started thinking about like different ideas. And my town, it's a little town called Burnley. Uh, it's about an hour north of Manchester. And it's on the, it's a very canally area. And when we were driving back, I just looked out the window and saw all these canals and these riverboats. And I was like, that would be kind of interesting. Like, have a very contained environment to set some characters off in. So I just sort of started brainstorming and thought, okay, well, what can I add to this thing to make it? just that little bit extra and then yeah it sort of came up with some of the themes of the of the film and that extra element which you know I don't want to give it away too too much for people who haven't seen it but you know there's some the relationship elements and some of the character elements so that all sort of happened and then it really just happened because I was like I know I can make this in a weekend like I can shoot it in a weekend so I was like let's just do it let's just ring up the people that I know I was fortunate in that I just finished editing a, a, a short film um, for someone who was interested in getting into producing. So I was chatting to her about it. I was just like, oh, it'd be great to have you on board as a producer. And then that she was the first member of crew. And then I contacted other people in the network and it was like, we very quickly got everything together. And then, you know, you sort of, yeah, you shoot it in a weekend and then it takes another like three months to edit it and get it all finished. But yeah, it's finally finished. So the plot is very much about, I guess, 
it's a, it's a tricky one because it's a, it's kind of abstract the plot i don't know it's um certainly one of the things going into it was that i wanted it to not be a response to covid i didn't want it to be about covid but it's sort of that feeling of people being locked up and the isolation that certainly i was feeling at that time mm, um yeah, yeah I, I moved out of university straight into living on my own so after that was in june when we were finished when i moved out of my uni house and then moving into flat a flat on my own. So six months of sort of being on your own pretty much. And then so it was all that going into it. And you know, I'd heard so much about the rising mental health stuff that was going on because of lockdowns. And I didn't want to make a film about mental health, but it was it was all feeding into it. And then it certain more things sort of happened. So it all sort of fed into that. It's uh but it, yeah, it's, I wanted to make a, a film that was just in one location, as the film is, three characters. I, really, it's only two, or, and you could argue it's only really one, certainly for the majority of the film. I wanted to make a contained film, something that I could do relatively in a short amount of time. So I was like, okay, what, let's really make the most out of, how do you make the most out of one or two characters? Um, and that's where it, where it sort of came from. And, and just to sort of give people a bit of context as well. So like you say, it touches on those themes of isolation and mental health and all that stuff mixed together in this tiny little space, this little boat, which I'm going to sort of get onto it in a little bit more detail in a second. But I really appreciated how you managed to make such a small space, even though it's like meant to feel quite claustrophobic. You made the most of such a tiny space. It feels so expansive and like the depth of field in each shot, especially when you, you see one character on their own in the frame and you see you know just the background it's not a flat piece of filmmaking it's very in-depth and you see the background and although it's an enclosed space you get the sense of expansion then shall we say but in a very close space it's a weird contrast i would say between the tight and the wide that's a very bad way of explaining it but i i think it kind of sort of gives you that feeling of isolation but at the same time like there's something much deeper going on and the boat is the metaphor for the mind as it were at least that's something that i would read into it i mean i would say that's really interesting yeah we did we, we really wanted to make the most of that elliot grail our production designer i think did a really good job at, at filling out the backgrounds because i i'm i very much like the idea of having a a wide angle camera um that just it, it views the scene quite plainly so then the audience's eye can wander and they and every corner has something in it um you know i mean with limited budget you can only do so much but it was about trying to make sure everything we could change we wanted to to try and affect that that's why we chose the aspect ratio that we did because it was about almost trying to mirror the aspect ratio of the boat in a weird way. Yeah, because um, I was actually going to bring that up with you, actually, because in my little notes when I watched this originally, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because whilst a lot of people could argue, you go for a 4-3 aspect ratio, oh, he's trying to be arty, he's trying to make a statement. But actually, the aspect ratio in this is actually used very purposefully. And it looks really effective with the tiny space. So you've got this already tiny space of the boat. And then you've got a slightly tighter frame that you're working with. You're not working in like a wide, like a, a 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio, where it's like, you know, you want to see the wide vistas and that sort of thing. But this is very boxy. Like, I, I don't know whether you, I was going to ask you actually, if you had any like mainstream film or even art house film or any other film influences when you made this in the planning stages. Because for me, I get Lighthouse vibes, obviously in colour, your film's in colour, but the, the film Lighthouse with um, Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe which is also shot in a very tight aspect ratio and it 
it's about isolation and two characters being stuck together in a small space. But obviously your film is about an Afghanistan veteran coming home from war and his adjustment then to the real world the normal world then and he's been boxed in to a world which is so so two-dimensional in a way i suppose that's one way you can look at the use of the aspect ratio yeah no, that, that, that's that's exactly that's all the stuff that went into it yeah we were we were looking at that stuff and you know i, I like i don't say i dislike the the two to 35 to one but again, it's got to be used. It, it's an aspect ratio as a tool. And it's like, if I mean, if I was doing a very sweeping film that where it gets all about the landscape, then yeah, maybe I'd go with a wider aspect ratio. But I like the way that the boxier ratios frame the face and, you know, the way that they, they sort of seem to be more suited. Um, but absolutely, The Lighthouse was... It wasn't on our list of references because it was a little bit out of our budget and we didn't want to start replicating things that we couldn't really. But certainly it, it went into my writing influences and, mm. you know, my things. I think it's a, a really cool film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that film literally is just, I mean, you get to the end of that film, it's just mentally insane. It, I, I, I didn't know what to think of it yet. I mean, your film, I'm going to be honest, was like, you know, it's, it was very spooky and strange and very relaxing in a very unnerving way, should we say, because I was all, I have to be honest with you, I was watching it thinking something's going to happen and nothing extreme happened, but I was still waiting, even when the credits rolled, for something to happen. That's why I made a comment earlier about this film feels, even though it's 25 minutes long, it feels like it could be expanded into a much longer narrative then, or be a small part or a prequel to another that expands into some other more much deeper explanation of the condition of this character the character of matt played by the wonderful jack sutherland who does a smashing job in this i i love all three cast members in this jack sutherland does a really good job as your leading man in this film and supported equally by the likes of emily marvin and sophie fisher you know they play good supporting roles for this film because the film basically is jack's film really as the character of matt he really does drive the film forward moving on to this sort of stage like i'm mentioning the casting now could you tell us about what it was like because obviously you've only cast three people in this film tell us a little bit what it was like trying to find the actors did you really search really hard to find the actors that you wanted or did you find the people you wanted quite quickly then shall we say um well we one of the things that i i even when i was at uni is i did is a lot of the budget went on the cast because i always wanted to say I don't want to be restricted by either people who are in the area. I mean, it was actually quite lucky because Sophie and Emily are local to Oxford, which is, it was totally a coincidence. Um, we were always like, we always want the, the option if we need to bring in the best cast members from wherever. Jack was, he was the, the last person of the day who I was having a call with. And he brought like three or four pages of notes, but he'd only seen, I think, a little bit of the script, read the outline, and he'd done one self-tape. And he'd or and he'd made however many pages of notes. And it was just there were some great actors who I talked to, and definitely you sort of make notes of them for future projects, but it was just instantly with him, it was like this is a, a real next level or a real next level actor. And you know, the, the fact that um he he messaged me the other day saying this is the first film project he's ever done. I think he's done some stage work and some modeling in the past, but he said that, yeah, this is the, this is the first actual film I've made. So I was like, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, that's um, quite interesting to know, to be honest, because I'm not going to lie. I mean, one of my highlights from the film, which I will sort of go into more detail about a bit later, 
feel like the opening and the closing of the film, I do get that stage presence then, shall we say, that very theatrical actor side of things from his performance, but not in a bad way. Like, it doesn't seem like too stagey because, you know, like when you pick actors out, when you watch them in films and you think, oh, they're more used to the stage than they are the camera. I don't think that was a bad thing because of the setup that you were working with and what you were doing in the opening and closing scenes. But I do think, yeah, I, I can't believe that that's that you just told me that that was his first film project, essentially, because he seemed quite natural on camera, if you ask me, to be honest. I wouldn't say he was over the top or anything. I think he was very subtle and very with it when it comes to the final finished film when you watch it. And I think one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why I knew that he was the, the guy for this project was his absolute willingness to do anything. I mean, there's, there's a scene, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it a bit later, but there's, that's been, I, would, I think it's a bit, it's, it's hyping up to say it's been controversial, but in all the feedback, that's been the one scene. Um, it's a very intimate scene with Jack just on his own in a bed. And it's a scene that he, I mean, that was his idea to do that. We had the scene where he interacts with, with someone else and he was like, well, at the end of that scene, why don't we have this? Why don't, why don't my character do this? And I was like, that's that's awesome. And there was some stuff that we didn't get around to, to filming, but he was up for going in the water and everything. He was, he, I think if we'd had a bit more time, he would have gotten in the water and we would have, we would have done some cool stuff with that. But he was just so willing to do anything, which was, it was so nice to see that we could just throw anything at him. And, you know, it was it was a real pleasure to have. And because it, it, it was one of those things where he would say new costume ideas late at night. You know, he'd say, I've been trying on some costumes. What do you think? And he'd send me like 10 pictures of different costumes. So I was like, this is, <laughs> this is pretty cool. It's always great when you get an actor like that. The dedication in that is just amazing. I, I, I just think that knowing that piece, of, all that information that you've just told us, it really enhances whenever I'm going to watch the film in future. And whenever people listen to this and then they watch your film for the first time, I think you'll view that performance in such a different light. And I genuinely think, you know, he is the main character after all, so he's meant to stand out. But in my opinion, he did a very good job. And the fact that he was up for doing all sorts of crazy stuff to add to the effect is just real sign and testament to the dedication of him to his craft, really. We've talked about Jack a lot as the character of Matt. So he's our veteran who's returned from the war, who's little bit he well I say a little bit he is completely scarred in his mind and that's essentially what the story is about him dealing with his fractured mind and mental state it's that common story that we hear about the the hero that's come back from war that is mentally scarred and it's always something that I think most people be they writers directors of films or television series you like to understand what is going on in the mindset of people like that and in a way kind of hoping to see a light at the end of the tunnel because people go to dark places this film sort of shows that in just a small capacity because we're seeing the recovery of this man and sort of getting out of a negative headspace which is kind of personified I feel in the character of Sarah who's played by Sophie Fisher and also kind of in part by the character of Emma who's Sarah's sister played by Emily talk to us about the supporting cast so talk about the two actresses in your film and what they contributed for you personally what did you see in them as actors that made their performances unique and made your film stand out above I don't know any other work you might have done in the past possibly yeah I mean it's well it, it was I mean for one it was such a stroke of good luck that they were both local to Oxford which was really cool but I, th I think certainly when we were in the in the casting stage as when we were casting for Matt there was lots of great actors and actresses 
in there. But when I was talking to Emily and talking to Sophie, it was just, again, it was this, it, it was a bit of a step up, a little bit of step of, they, they got it pretty quickly. They really embodied it. And I mean, I think especially, um, I kept, I can't remember how much I, I said it to Emily, but I just wish I had more for her to do. Like, again, maybe if the project was a bit longer, we could do, we could really do more. And so it was about, okay, well, how do, how well, are, is, is Emily and Sophie gonna gonna capture what I need from them in such a short period of time? And especially with the shooting schedule as well. I mean, those two there, it was it was one night that they were there and you know they had to nail it. When we were doing the rehearsals and the self-tape from from Sophie and Emily, it was just like I th- yeah, they're they're so close already. They just need you know a little bit of nudge here and there, but you expect that. You know, you don't expect to be bang on first try. So especially with no direction, because I mean, that's something that I, that I do when I send that, that initial casting call for the self-tip. I say, here's the script. I'm not going to give you any direction. I just want to see what you do with it. And mm-hmm. the fact that they were so close and I, I just, I thought that they were, they were really strong. And again, they, they, they have to complement the film as well. This is one of the things that I, I don't know how, <laughs> yeah, you, you try and say as much as you can, but it's like, like Emily had such an important role in it, um, mm-hmm. playing Emma, even though it was, it was a short amount of time it was the cataclysm for the, the climax of the film and or and the, the big scene at the end and you know you had to you had to feel the push and pull between them i, I just think they absolutely nailed it yeah um, no absolutely i think it's funny you should mention this really that you were like i wish emily had more to do because it, you look at it as a hierarchy thing jack as matt is the main character so he'll get the most to do regardless uh, but then you go down the tree and you've got sarah who is his uh, is a girlfriend or partner i think they just i think yeah, it, yeah. I think it's, it's unclear in the film you know were they ever you know yeah. how far did that relationship ever go yeah, because it's like I said, I was because even I still like, oh, were they meant to be together or are they living there out convenience? You know, there's lots of ambiguity about their relationship, which is a really nice touch, to be honest, because normally you get this little thing of oh, two people they live they're together in a boat or a house is like, oh, they're they're together, like be it a friends with benefits thing or a marriage or just a whatever relationship is portrayed on screen. You naturally get that romantic attachment or a really intimate attachment between these two characters but with this i think you know you create the love triangle but it was almost so ambiguous that you're you're sat there thinking what could happen next i really love this film in the sense that it kept me guessing throughout and i'm not going to say too much on it because obviously i've watched it and i do know a lot about it already from like the visual point of view and what I think about it. But for anyone who hasn't seen it, I would love to sort of hear people's thoughts about what they thought about the reality aspect of things. And if they, what they think is going on in the mental state of Jack Sutherland's character, because at the end of the day, I think everyone's going to come away from this film with a different interpretation. And for me, I have a very, like I have my own feelings about it, which I won't go too in depth with but i do think that a lot of it is to do with his mental state but then i also think it's you know there's some real there's some strange goings on with this film and there's a lot more to come in the future and like i said this narrative could be much more expansive then because you you've given us so much already and i feel like you're giving us just a little bit and we're waiting to see what happens next kind of thing and i think it's interesting you know i sort of like the idea of I mean, it, it's it's great to hear, you know, how much you put in, because I mean, that's always the worry. Whenever you write something or make something, you always think, you know, is anyone going to get it? <laughs> or is anyone going to, are they just going to say, eh, that, that was that. 
because that that was something that I just wanted to do. I wanted to make a film that people think about and have to you know discuss about. I remember when sending it out to the first round of feedback and stuff. It was all about there were so many questions. Each round of feedback was more well, you know, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And, and why was this the way that it was? And it was like, well, you know, that, it's great that you've come away with all those questions because that's, that's what it's all about. It's really cool. And I, I just, yeah, I like that it, 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 it does hint at, at more stuff. And we did, you know, we, we did write a lot of that stuff for backstories and where things are going, but we, we very much wanted to keep it, that, a bit, you know, that bit of ambiguous level. So yeah, it's, it's just cool to hear that. <laughs> It is. I mean, honestly, I to be honest with you, I'm not going to spoil it too much. But like, so my favorite moment, I've touched on it already. I say moment, it's moments. I love the so the opening. This isn't going to give too much away for people who haven't seen it, because when you do watch it, you'll know what's to come. But the beginning of the film and the ending, they're both the same. Like It starts off with Jack Sutherland's character of Matt. He's basically talking to camera at one point. But then obviously we do have a slight cut. We go to a different angle where he's not quite staring down the camera as such as menacingly as he does which he does brilliantly uh, and he does the same thing at the end of the film as well and he's only lit by a candle and i think it's in one of the images that you're you've put out there and in the trailer as well it looks really really creepy when you watch the trailer and you see that shot or when you open the film and you see that shot you think what sort of a film am i watching here like what is this get like you get told it's a psychological drama a very intense one at that but then you think is it going to go into the horror territory like what's going on here but i just i love the lighting aspect because it's so simple and it's so effective like what was your sort of thought process in constructing both that beginning and ending sequence which is essentially one sequence you could put it together really where for me i and again i personally felt it was quite documentary like in a way I don't know why, but it felt very documentary-like in the sense that it was like he was being interviewed about something that, I know, like he was about to do something, as I keep repeating as well over and over again. I keep thinking that he's about to do something very crazy or off the wall then, should we say. And the fact that he's sat there confessing his deep thoughts and emotions to someone, the camera, to us, the audience, it feels like something is going to go down after the credits roll into something much deeper. And I just think you get that from the get-go. It's so creepy and so well shot. I just, what was your sort of thinking behind the construction of that shot? And generally the construction of all the lighting, really, because it's a very moody film. It's a very moody film, but with purpose, obviously. But yeah, tell us a little bit about sort of the look of Riverboat then and the extent of creating that vibe from the beginning and then closing it with that nice, with the ending in a bookend kind of fashion. So, so the, certainly the idea with the opening and closing of it is where, yeah, if, if you um, if you've seen any of the promotional stuff, it, it's that candlelit stuff, and we go into that. I sort of liked the idea. It's a concept of almost the film could be able to be looped, like pulling the curtain back a little bit. But the first line he says, "Isn't that a great question?" And then one of the things we wanted is the last line. He asks a question to the to the audience, to the camera, whoever's there. So I, I like that concept of this looping thing. Obviously, you know, because of credits and all that sort of stuff, you couldn't loop the film. But that's where that idea of the bookends came from, and it sort of it played into that ambiguity as well. Of you know, you know, as you said, who, who is he talking to? Who? What is this? You know. And, Certainly playing around with the time, a lot of people have, who've seen the film have sort of come up with their own ideas about when it takes place in the timeline of the film. And um, so we sort of played into that a lot. And in terms of the sort of the technical creation of that shot, 
it actually, again, it, it was an idea from Jack Sutherland. He, in his research about some of the, the PTSD and the trauma elements, he said that one of his, someone in his family worked with PTSD um, and they, and especially schizophrenic people. And one of the things they said is that one of the weird tendencies was that they would light a match and watch it burn all the way down to their fingers and then snuff it out and then light another match. And I just thought ah, that's a, that's a really cool way of doing that. And that just fits so perfectly into these opening and closing monologues. It unsettles the audience from the get go and again when you close the film but it's a very i don't know unique way because you're boxing like we, we've gone back to the aspect ratio discussion you know you're boxing people in into this little small space within the boat within the frame and then you're confronted with this man who looks very demonic and very like on the edge of something we don't know what but something very crazed and we don't know it's a, it's very uncertain and i kind of like that i'm sort of the person i like to know where the film's going but then i do like my like good old-fashioned open-ended films when they're done well they're done well and i think you've done it just about right in this you know just the, enough level of we're not going to give you all the answers but at the same time we're gonna sort of lead you down certain different directions and the fact that people are theorizing about it now you know i think when you make this film public and more and more people see this uh, you know you should start like a whole chain of things online about riverboat theories at least i've got about five so you know we, we should be we yeah. should be off to a good start no, it's it, it's cool and yeah I, I like that i mean that definitely comes from my sort of filmmaker inspirations people like david lynch who infamously refuse it if you know if someone tells him a theory about his films he'll just not give any reaction at all. I really like that. Sort of, it comes from that building an idea where the film isn't going to give you everything, but in a sense, you know, everyone who watches it will come up with their own idea for it and relate to different elements of it. When we were going through the script in the early stages, some of the crew were saying about how wow, this it's some of the the lines of dialogue and some of the um, some of the interactions and some of the, the situations so they just feel like that you know the, the film might be about them and that was a really cool feeling or that was really cool to hear from them so and you know and that sort of goes you know back sort of full circle into it's not a film about lockdowns but it's about the isolation of it and how you know what happens to people you know who, who are struggling with a lot of stuff who have just been left on their own or who have very little interaction with anyone yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. And you get that vibe from the get-go and throughout the entire thing. But uh, yeah, I just, it's a very interesting piece of filmmaking. It's not something if someone had said, oh, do you want to watch that? Like, I would have been intrigued by the trailer, but like, you know, like, I don't know. I think the more I see of it, the more I kept seeing it, because I, I saw you because I, I do actually know Emily personally. She has been on the podcast recently as well in the past, in like last year or so. So I do, we are quite good friends. And she mentioned to me that she was in this film, uh, like going in for it. And then she got cast in it. And then obviously I followed you on Instagram I, and all your social medias. And I was like, keeping an eye on things and it looked really interesting it really did uh, and then when you reached out for like people to review the film and take a look at it I'm kind of glad that I that I was sort of on the right side and nosy and curious then shall we say because I think I've discovered something genuinely that I will keep watching over and over again just to sort of think about new ways that if I ever do anything creatively how I would approach it and how you can go about creating something so intense and so 
sort of contained but at the same time making something that's not really long-winded and super outlandish and weird unless i want to go down the like you say the david lynch route of things because you know he's a he's a man unto himself that man <laughs> yeah oh yeah and to be fair i mean there's, there's yeah there's, there's little micro films that i've made you know the people at uni that are absolutely abstract and just totally bonkers so it's nice that you sort of once you've done that and you almost got it out of your system it's nice then to pull back and actually say Right, I need to make something that is is watchable and isn't just a, an absolute horror show. It's really cool. And I mean, for me, it was just about saying, let's just do it. Like, again, it, we, I wrote something that I knew could be filmed in a weekend. So I was like, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough that I knew some people who I who were lucky to give me some funding for the film. But even then, a lot of that, a lot of the, the money being spent on it, we could have cut down on. You know, there are definite ways you can do it. And it was just a cool thing to do. You know, it's just like, no that's it exactly i mean obviously you're new to take 97 on the podcast and such but i have a another friend who is into filmmaking and stuff jason farries because i was talking to him about his feature film that he released a couple of months ago now homesick and we were talking about how basically when him and his team sat down they were literally like we want to make films yes there's a pandemic on but we want to just do something let's just do it and then they produced a feature at the end of it you have done the same thing but you've done it for a short film but I think that that mentality of creatives making their way through the struggles, no matter what hits them in the face, it's a really enduring thing to sort of appreciate. And I don't think many people do appreciate how resilient creatives are really at the end of the day, because, you know, we have to deal with all the insults of, oh, you, you watch EastEnders all day if you study media studies or, you know, you just watch TV all the time or you watch films like, yeah, we might do a bit of that. But about 90% of the time, we're actually coming up with new things. And these conversations that I have with people like you, it's really interesting to see what the creative minds like and what the process is like going into making something like Riverboat. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was a very enjoyable film. I will keep guessing, as I said before, what the hell is going on? Because, you know, I don't think anyone's going to know what's going on, even you, and you're the one who wrote it. <laughs> I, I, I know I, I, I know what it means to me, but it's as, as Lynch said, you know, or I, I don't know if he actually said it, but certainly one of the things that he said that I took from it was, if, if you tell me this brilliant interpretation of it, and I just turn around and say, no, that wasn't it at all. It's like, well, that's just ruined it. It doesn't, at the end, once it's released, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It, you know, it matters what the audience think about it and the ideas they go away with. And the idea, you know, is that, yeah, if they go away with this, especially because it, it I think pe some people who have gone through lockdown particularly harshly and spent it really in isolation, yeah. the hope is that they would relate to it. And if they can maybe help themselves in some way and think, okay, well, I, I want to avoid that or, if it helps them or if it, if they just get a great time out of it as much as you can in that weird in the way the film is then who am i to say, just if it's not exactly what i meant by it I don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't maybe matter because it's now on that the road to being released and going into festivals and, and then eventually being released publicly it doesn't matter what i think about it it's, yeah what the audience yeah exactly um we've talked about a lot of the technical spec of things how you've constructed it and made it and all that stuff the actors specifically jack's performance a lot as well lots of good stuff there before we sort of conclude this episode this discussion which has been really fun just to sort of have a little back and forth about what i think what you think about this film that you've made which you're clearly very proud of i wanted to ask you if you could very briefly say what any highlights you have from the set 
like moments when you were filming with each of the actors. So, you know, do you have any like highlights from the set from that night shoot you did with Sophie and Emily? Any highlights working with them specifically? I think it was it was the moment when and it, I mean it sounds terrible for the crew but we just finished the dinner sequence so Emily had just gone home and again this isn't about anything on Emily but the rest of the crew had decided well you know, you know we're not needing everything set up and it was so late I mean it was like half 10 or 11 at night so they were like wait wait we can we you know can we go back to the accommodation and because we're just going to be stood around in the in the cold so it was just me Jack Sophie the sound operator and the uh, director of photography and we were doing a block through of the the argument scene at the very end and it was the moment when Seth the camera operator the, the DP and then the sound operator were like this is gonna be good <laughs> like they were getting so excited and pumped up about it it, it, re- it really re-energized me and um, I think it re-energized the actors as well so it was just that moment it felt a little bit more relaxed because People weren't stood around and, you know, not everyone was there and we knew it was going to be an intense scene. So it was just about capturing it the best we could. And that was just really exciting. Just being in that space, everything was set up. How are we going to film this? And it was it was late at night and we had a long day. So we were all, you know, a little bit like it was the last last thing to shoot of the day. But that that was a cool moment. Uh, absolutely, it absolutely sounds it. I mean, if I was to ever make a film myself, I'm not sure Riverboat would be my first like instinct, but you've just, I think you've just sold working on Riverboats and doing night shoots for like the rest of the year now. Cause you know, you've made it seem really fun. So, you know, th- thank you for that. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of work. That was a, a very long day, but just that end, the way, you know, cause I, you know, written it and read the script so many times and the actors had rehearsed it so many times, but the DP and the sound operator, maybe have read the script once or twice. So the fact that they were seeing it almost like a, like an audience would and the reaction from them, it just it got us all going again. And it was, it was really cool. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Jack, thank you so much for talking to us about Riverboat. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear you talk about your creative truth, the beginnings of it, and a little bit of the making of it. I would love to see you make a like a little mini making of feature like somewhere publicly because I'm sure there's probably some really funny takes here and there of you and the crew that you mentioned and everybody just having a blast with this, even though it was a lot of hard work. Before we conclude the episode, finally, I like to ask all my guests about like current events in terms of the film world and mainstream filming and stuff. I know you're obviously an independent, so you know, you love the indie stuff, but is there any <laughs> is there any stuff that's inspired you recently that's come out or is there any like films you're looking forward to being released finally because obviously we've had a long wait for certain releases to finally see the silver screen as it were but yeah is there anything you're looking forward to personally that you could recommend to our listeners at all okay so yeah there's 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 a few so i guess things that i'm looking forward to um mainstream or i guess big budget I can't wait to see, uh, see more from Dune or Dune, depending on how you pronounce, want to pronounce it. You know, it was meant to be released what like Christmas, and it's going to be next Christmas. We've got one trailer for it, and I think it looks awesome. In terms of smaller budget stuff, I'm interested more in the stuff from Robert Eggers, who is the guy who did The Lighthouse and previously The Witch. Um, he's making a film called The Norseman, which sounds cool. Oh, that does sound very cool. Supposedly doing a remake of Nosferatu, which I, I, I'm really excited for. In terms of maybe something that I could recommend, only because I saw it, I think, yesterday, me and my flatmate watched 
Death Proof by Tarantino. A film that my flatmate said he's never seen, but he was never that interested in it. Absolutely kick-ass film. Like, we, we had such a good time watching it. It was so good. Lots of people say, because it's associated with the Robert Rodriguez grindhouse double feature, and people say that and it, it wasn't a great success at the box office. It wasn't brilliant, and it's still not really revered to this day. But I, I don't think I've ever watched it, to be fair, actually. I've watched quite a lot of Tarantino, but like I've never watched Death Proof, which is very strange. I think it's because it's not widely, because I'm a bit of a collector maniac when it comes to my Blu-ray discs. And I don't think it has a current release at the moment. I might have missed the last print of it before they sort of reissue a new version of it or something. But like it really i keep seeing clips and it does look really interesting really cool because you go you got tarantino's feature like stunt performers and stuff and the kurt russell you know i think it looks really it could be quite interesting to watch but yeah i just never seen it personally we sat down we had a few beers we sat we watched it and yeah we had a great time yeah because we we watched the fake trailers on there on youtube at the start the sort of if your audience isn't familiar if you've ever seen tropic thunder that has at the start of it some trailers for fake films it does it's done that sort of thing i think it was done before tropic thunder but i can't remember but they're really fun if you're a fan of sort of that exploitation film genre which i'm not too familiar with but it was it was just a lot of fun yeah okay well i'll I'll take that away from you and guys if you haven't seen death proof there you go jack recommends death proof other than riverboat because you know riverboat should be the top of your list right now when you can see it watch it (laughs) well actually i mean i'll i'll do it i'll do a sneaky plug actually yeah go for it it. there's only one uh well there's technically two ways so if you go to my website jackburney.com and you go onto the page through there there is a link on there that's the only sort of public link there is but if you go on there you can watch it um, but other than that, it's it's privated and stuff. But yeah, yeah, there you go, guys. You heard it here first. There's your little sneaky like uh, trick exclusive yeah exclusive that's your exclusive that you see we love an exclusive at take 97 go go check the website out guys Uh, just a reminder what is your website jack just for people who don't know jackburney.com it's not a www dot but to be honest i think if you just search jack burney on google it should come up if not all my social medias again we'll plug them at the jack bc on instagram facebook twitter and tiktok i don't use tiktok that much but those, those have my links all over the place. So Yeah, and we'll be sure to share those as well. We actually, because I've written a review, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, I will be posting highlights from that as well as a full written text in a post on Instagram uh, and via our Twitter highlights as well. So, you know, that'll be out there to sort of have a little look at what I thought about it as I mean, I've said a few things now, but, you know, in written form. So you don't have to, if you want a preview of this before you do listen to us go on and on about how great a film it is. So all that's left to say, really, Jack, is thank you so much for coming on. It's been a brilliant time discussing your film with you and just generally having a little chit chat really towards the end there. So thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, when, I, when I've got some um, more news, then maybe we can uh, we can do another one. Oh, absolutely. I'm always up for a re-collaboration because, you know, I I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. And that's a wrap on Take 97, a film podcast, the Riverboat interview special edition of the podcast with me, your host, David Ingram, and... Jack Burney, the director of the film. Thank you very much, guys. And I'll catch you on the next episode. See you later.